welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. We're going to read from 1 Kings 17, 7 to 24, first of all, this morning. It says, sometime later, can you read that? It's quite small. Yep, there's a lot to read, so I'm reading it in two goes. Um, Some time later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And we heard about that last week as Tyler spoke about Elijah having to go to the brook and that the ravens fed him with food last week. And then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I might have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, Oh, and bring me some, please bring me some bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. Here we go. The jar and the jug. Empty, actually, I'm afraid. Um, I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, and we will eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day of the Lord, the Lord sends rain on the land. Wow. So she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping of the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Great one. Now I have a few thoughts on that passage. There's a lot in that and there's a bit more passage I'm going to read later. Um, So we know that he went to Zarephath. Elijah felt God calling him to go to Zarephath. Last week we heard about how God provided his needs in this drought and this famine time through the ravens and through the brook, and that dried up. I mean, things were desperate. And off he went, and this is what happened next. He turned up and asked her to make a cake from the last lot of flour she had. Now, I don't know about you, but whether I would have done that. The cheek of it, the cheek of it. Fancy turning up when she had got her last lot of flour in her jar and oil in her jug And it was going to be for her and her son so that they could have one last meal before they died. And he said, make me some first. Now, I don't know about you. I do not know that I could have done that because my son, if if you're a mother, you'll know that the mother's instinct is you've got to sort out your child first. You will let your child have the food that you should have even. You would feed your child above yourself. And he was asking, feed me before him and before you. I mean, 
What a cheek. What a cheek. <laughs> that took some courage. So we have, first off, courage for Elijah. But we also have courage for this lady. Um, I want to just think a bit for a moment about what the term widow means. And I, with all respect, there may be people in this room who have been widowed. And it's a tough time. I know people who've been through that. And I just want to think for a moment about what a widow represents in this story. So the, the widow could represent, obviously, grief, obviously loss. Along with that, becoming a widow or a widower becomes isolation too. And maybe a lot of loneliness and then potentially poverty. And in this case, most definitely poverty. So just thinking about this story and the wider context of what we're trying to apply it to today in our lives, and there's a lot in this story, believe me, as I've been thinking about it and praying about it this week, there's a lot. So this person, she was desperate. That person could have been me or you in our desperation. Who's been desperate? Desperate for many reasons. You might have been desperate because you've had loss in your life, grief, sorrow. You might be, have been desperate because you've had something happen that's been tragic. You might have been desperate because you felt far from God. You felt alone. You felt like it's always been a struggle. We go through seasons in our lives where we feel that widow's heart. And I'm not undermining what it's like to actually become a widow or a widower at all, because I know that's tough. But just in this message today, we're going to think about the sorrow and the desperation that you could feel in this situation. So we have before us a desperate widow, the desperate widow. But you know what? That desperate widow, she did something that was a very tall order. Elijah had asked her to make that last bit of um, flour and oil into the last loaf for him first. And what did she do? She actually said yes. I do wonder whether she agonized for a few hours over that. I I'd say that if it was me, if it was you, would you have agonized for a few hours? Oh my God goodness, that man, the cheek of it, I'm not, I'm not doing what he said. I'm not doing what he said. My son comes first. I'm not doing that. You know, he may, she may have agonized for many hours, but she may have said very courageously, yes, I'll do it. And she did. She did. She was a courageous widow. In her desperation, she was courageous. And she had courageous surrender. She was at rock bottom, grieving lonely, in poverty, about to die. And her courageous surrender, you know, it's, it does remind me of times where I've been desperate. And I'll just recall one story where I remember being desperate in a different way, um, more spiritually desperate, more thinking where am I going? What is going on in my life? And, and I remember a few years ago having this moment, well, many moments of desperation of what's going on? Why am I doing this? Is this actually it? 
And I remember um, Robin and I, my husband, had gone to London um, to stay in a hotel. He sometimes goes to um, speak at meetings in London on business. And so I'd gone with him, and we were having a little break there for a couple of days in a hotel. And you would think that's actually really nice, actually. You wouldn't think, oh, she's desperate. You wouldn't think, oh, that's awful, you know. Um, I feel sorry for her. I mean, I don't want you to feel sorry for me by any chance, by any means, actually. But I'm just saying, it's desperation can look like different things. I was there in that hotel room, quite a nice hotel, actually, and I was thinking, Lord, I, I just don't know where I'm going. I was in tears. I was, I was desperate. And, and, you know, the Lord prompted me to do what that lady did, that courageous surrender. So I, in just a few moments, it didn't take long, to be honest, I was surprised. I thought to myself, God's not going to want me you know, to come back. I've walked a bit away from him. I've, I've been disillusioned. And, and it's going to take hours of prayer to get back. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever thought, you know, I need to spend hours in prayer to get back to the, what I had with God? Within half an hour, I'd prayed, I'd, I'd cried, and I'd said, God, I'm desperate. I'm sorry. I, I surrender. And basically, it took that word, surrender. That's what it took a giving in and a saying, you know, these things, okay, I've got this trouble and I've got that trouble and I've got this difficulty and I've got that difficulty. But actually, you come first. And I'm sorry, God. And I surrender to you. And I made that courageous decision to surrender. Everything changed in my head. It was a real relief a load lifted off my mind, and God did something that day. I encourage you to let God do something in you today. Be that courageous widow. In your desperation, be that courageous person of surrender. Now, enter Elijah. This is like a play, isn't it? Elijah enters, and he was the prophet. So we... Probably have a slide called the desperate prophet, um, the disillusioned prophet, because what does a prophet represent? Actually, you know, very often we think of prophets as the people that foretell the future. But I just want to unwrap that a little bit more just now. What does a prophet represent? A prophet is a person who brings truth, aren't they, really? They don't necessarily foretell the future, but actually that's largely what they do. But they, they bring truth. They listen to God's voice first. I mean, you can't foretell the future if you don't listen to God's voice. It's just not on. And if anyone does foretell the future and isn't listening to God's voice, you're on dangerous ground, you know. And if anyone is doing anything or hearing any other voice other than God's, it's not God. You know, we need to be discerning. Is it God? Is it not God? Listen to the right voice. So he was a man who was sensitive to God's voice. Another thing that prophets do is they expose the heart. So, you know, a prophet can come along in the Bible times, the prophet books in the Bible are full of exposing people's hearts and um, the kind of evilness that's going on, the, the truth, you know, kind of separating the truth from the lies, the evil and the good, and, and really speaking truth into something. And also, a, a prophet is, is often a fool for Jesus. I, 
I've been reading this book recently that has kind of talked about the role of prophets and widows and various other things. And, and just it's really made me feel a very timely read in view of this message today. And how, you know, as a prophet, that person often does seem to be a fool. Are we prepared to be fools for Jesus? That takes courage, doesn't it? Very much courage. But you know, Elijah wasn't the kind of prophet right now in this part of history. He wasn't the kind of prophet that was just going around and doing his thing all the time. He was disillusioned. And, and people who have that uh, prophet kind of sense in the broadest sense, let's think about it in the broadest sense. I'm sure all of us in the broadest sense of what I'm talking about have that prophet calling, that prophet ministry at some time or another, whereby we are exposing truth, we're listening and sensitive to God's voice. I'm hoping that we all have that sensitivity to God's voice and want to bring his truth, exposing the heart and not being afraid to be a fool for Jesus. So Elijah came along, he was not really in that good state, very disillusioned, very, very um, un, unsure of himself, but he managed to get the courage at this moment in time to come along and ask very boldly and very, what I would call cheekily, this lady, could I have the last bit of your food and make it into bread for me? He managed to get the courage to have that bold faith to do what God said, because God said do it. God said do it. It wasn't him. It wasn't him thinking, you know, I'm really hungry. My tummy's rumbling. I'm going to ask this widow and be really cheeky. I don't care about her son. No, his attitude was not that. His attitude, I'm sure he was shaking in his shoes, if he had shoes. Um, He may not have done. So he was shaking in his shoes thinking, I can't ask her that. I can't ask her that. It's her son. I'm sure he had some recollection and some kind of idea of how important this last bit of flour and oil was to this woman. I'm sure he did. And yet he did it. He had that bold faith. Bold faith. And so back to my time in London, when I had had that time of surrender in that hotel room um, and that kind of experience with God, I then went out for a walk. And I was walking along the streets in London and I was, you know, thinking it feels better, it feels lighter. And suddenly I got a phone call and one of my friends phoned up and just started speaking and um, I told her I'd a little bit, she was a Christian friend who would understand. I just said a little bit about what had happened and, and not, not much at all, really. And, and she, um, I didn't tell her about the prayer experience, just that I'd had a tough time. And she started speaking into my life, pro- prophesying into my life, declaring good things over my life and praying for me, walking along the streets in London. And, you know, she couldn't have phoned at a better time. I had no idea that she was going to call. I had no idea what she was going to say. And it was God who sent her to me at that very moment. So let's think about the widow, the desperate widow and the disillusioned prophet. Their lives in this story collide 
And as two people's lives collide, that is where we can see amazing transformation. We need each other, don't we? And so this kind of this story really makes me and has made me over the last week think so much about the colliding of two lives, three lives, four lives. You know, we are to allow ourselves to have that bold courageous faith so that we can collide with someone else and enable them to have a big breakthrough. Now, I had a breakthrough that day. That moment was a breakthrough moment for me. And um, things changed. My attitude changed. My actions changed. So when we have a breakthrough, generally, you know, we feel different. We might feel emotional. It's important to have emotions. Emotions are good. Not to rely on emotions, but we need to have emotional experiences with God. Sometimes that is one way of showing us that it's actually touched our very core. And I believe that as we exercise that bold and courageous surrender, as we also have people around us that exercise courageous faith, it will change things for the good there will be a change in attitudes and actions on the inside to the outside. And it will show on the outside. You know, colliding of two people in this means opens up the life for this widow of favor. The favor of God was from that moment on, on that woman the favor of God was on her life and on her son's life. They lived. And it was, um, I read that possibly Elijah was with her for about two years and during that famine and that drought. And, and they lived, they ate daily. The oil never ran out, the flour never ran out. Miraculously, something miraculous happened. And I do believe that we should expect the miraculous as well. We should not undermine and underestimate the powerful, miraculous power of God as we step out in courageous surrender and courageous faith. We don't know how many times we've missed um, an opportunity for dovetailing our lives with someone else either. You know, sometimes we go through life forgetting that you know, we can look at our own desperation sometimes and we can forget that we can be the prophet. Um, and sometimes there's a time for everything, isn't there? The Bible says there's a time to mourn, a time to weep, a time to dance and a time to sing. And so likewise, there's a time to be desperate where we do get driven to come to God and say, look, God, I am desperate. I need you. I, I take that courageous step of surrender. But there are also times where we need to look and think, am I that prophet that's got to come to someone else and that's got to meet their needs supernaturally? Or, you know, we have got, we carry something that we forget how big it is. We carry something incredible within us if we know Jesus. And Elijah came that day with that bold faith, that courageous faith. He exercised courage in a huge way. Now, I am going to read some difficult verses, though, now, because there's some more to this story. <coughs> the next part goes on to say, Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse, and finally he stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and killing my son? 
Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, you have brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die. Now he was desperate. <laughs> he had reached desperate stakes here. And so he, he then stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord. It's good he kept going. The first time nothing happened. The second time, we assume nothing happened. Perhaps a little happened. The third time, he cried out, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. And then we hear, the Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him. He lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. The truth. This prophet does speak the truth. Something miraculous truly happened. But he got to desperate stakes first as well. How bad would that be if that happened? First of all, there was a major breakthrough that the lady and her son and Elijah had enough food for two years coming from this empty jar and this empty jug. There was enough for them all to eat for many, many months. And then the son dies. We get times in our lives like that, don't we, where we've had a big mountaintop breakthrough and something really good happens. And then there might come a test. And you know, it's not unusual, is it? I, I've had many, and I feel that God sometimes brings, I don't believe God brings bad things, I do not, but I do believe that he uses them in our lives to enable us to have more courageous faith, so that we can be more effective again, and um, you know, there is this whole thing on this slide here, I was mentioning earlier about the colluding of two lives, the desperateness of the widow, the disillusionment of the prophet, and the way that that desperate lady, who could be you or me, encountered that disillusioned prophet. And he could have just kept on being desperate. He got desperate. He could have kept on being desperate and said, oh, well, he's dead now. Oh, no. Um, and, and, you know, he could have ended up like the widow, desperate in the complete and utter shame of having come with faith and then having come and seen her die. The very lady whose son lived because of Elijah now died. What a lot of shame could have been attached to that. How embarrassing. It's more than embarrassing, isn't it? Um, you know, God showed up because he didn't stay in the desperate state. And so... <clears throat> That desperate state that you or I might be in, that Elijah was in that day, it takes a choice. It doesn't just take, you know, I'm waiting for something to happen. And I could have waited for a friend to phone me when I felt desperate. And I could have waited for someone else to pick me up off the floor when I was right there. But I didn't. I decided that I had to have that courage and I had to make that choice to surrender that day myself. And then someone came. 
you know, that's always the better way. If we can make that choice, we're going to see an even bigger breakthrough. But it starts with a choice. It starts with a choice to be courageous, to have courageous surrender. Thank you for watching this week's message. For any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church, you can contact us at info at or check out our website at www.centre-church.uk